hey, do this before you grab your Bible and before you grab your smartphone and open up the Waterview app to the digital worship guide so that you can follow along with all of our notes. Say this with me wherever you are. Say this with me. My mind is open and my heart is ready. Speak to me today, Lord. Transform my life. Help me to flourish, live fulfilled, so I can make my life matter. That's our declaration today. We want to be open to receive what God is going to deposit into our lives. So John chapter number 15 is where we're going to go first today. We're going to be covering a lot today. In fact, I could do an entire series based off of the message that God has put on my heart for all of you today, but I'm going to try to get this done as quickly as possible. I may not get to it all, and if I don't, then we'll have to continue it another time, but we're continuing our series, Joyride, and I hope it's been a blessing. It's been something that I just can't shake. I'll be honest with you, when the Lord kind of interrupted our plans as a church and put this on my heart, as I've been sharing it with you each and every week, I haven't been able to kind of unload yet the just that deep connection that I feel to what God is speaking to me, that he's speaking to all of us. So I hope that you've come indeed with your heart open and your mind ready. John chapter 15 and verse number 11, it says this, I have told you these things, Jesus is speaking. He said, I have told you these things so that my joy, and would you say that where you are, say my joy, Jesus's joy. I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you. And that's our hope. We want his joy. And that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. And then he continues in this same vein of thought in John chapter 17 and verse number 13, when he says, Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so that they would be filled with my joy. So as you know, if you have been connecting with us the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a series called Joyride. And if you're new, let me just briefly tell you what we've been covering. Joyride is all about how our faith adventure with Jesus is not supposed to be a drudgery. I want you to know here today that faith is meant to be life-giving. It's meant to put a spring in your step, a song on your lips, joy in your heart. Our faith adventure with Jesus is not supposed to be a drudgery. It's not supposed to be done out of duty out of obligation and out of compliance. My heart breaks when I think of all of the people who only view Christianity as religion. If you're doing this thing right, it is not about religion. It is about a thrilling, exhilarating relationship with Jesus. It's, it's about a joyride. It's something that is supposed to be enjoyed, like going out on one of these beautiful, spring days in a really cool ride with the top down and feeling that sun and that breeze in your face as God leads us and guides us through the ups and the downs and the curves of life. 
Joy is so, so important. I know there's a lot going on in the world. There's things actively working against our joy that's trying to steal our joy. In fact, Jesus said this about Satan. He exists to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And how many of you know that he succeeded last weekend when he stole that one hour of sleep from us? And not only is he trying to take that hour of sleep, he's trying to steal our joy. But Jesus said, I've come so that you would have abundant life, so that you would have life to the full. Joy is so important that we're supposed to be full of joy. It's because it gives us strength. We've learned over the last couple of weeks that the joy of the Lord is our strength. But this is what is obvious to me and is what has got my heart so troubled. Many of us right now are struggling with our joy. For, for many of us, our joy is running low. In fact, the light, the dummy light's coming on, empty, almost out. Better hurry up and get a refill. We're running low on joy. Or, for some of us, we've just lost it altogether. And we're right now quickly heading into the Easter season, and I want to let you be aware of what we've got planned here at Waterview Church. I hope that you are planning on joining us for Easter at Waterview. We've got a spectacular day planned. At all of our in-person gatherings, we're going to have two service options, the first at 9 a.m. and the second at 10.30 a.m., and not only are we going to be worshiping and talking about and celebrating the risen Savior, we've got all kinds of fun, enjoyable, and even delicious things for the whole family that you don't want to miss out on. There's going to be a coffee and donut truck, and there's going to be inflatables. You can take pictures with the Easter Bunny. We're going to have a great big egg hunt with thousands of eggs after our second gathering. So please plan to be with us. But we are racing into Easter Sunday, that being April the 17th of this year. For all of you that are a part of our online family, tune in, be a part. We will be here at 1030, same time. And I'm going to be giving a message that's going to just breathe life and hope back into you in the same way that the Spirit raised up Jesus from the dead. It's going to raise us up. We're going to celebrate that beautiful Easter experience together. But as we're heading into this Easter experience and this whole Easter season, we see that in the final hours before Jesus' arrest, Jesus did his best to prepare his disciples for what was going to come. And Jesus spoke of his death much to their disappointment, much to their dismay. Jesus spoke of his death. He even alluded to his resurrection, and he said that he would again go away, but he said that he would return, and that he would return this time as the Holy Spirit. He promised the gift of the Holy Spirit, and these powerful passages include reminders for a few really important things, honestly, when it comes to our faith. Those things being, number one, that we need to love one another and that we need to remain obedient to God. And 
as they're standing there grappling with everything that he's saying, just utterly heartbroken. It's hard for them to focus or concentrate because they're so full of confusion and grief. Jesus then starts to try to speak to their hope. He tries to inspire hope. He tries to inspire joy. Imagine that in the midst of hearing the most unsettling and disturbing news of their lifetime, Jesus also starts speaking to matters involving joy. John records this whole conversation about joy in chapter 16. And this is what it says, John 16, beginning with verse number 20. Jesus says, I'm going to tell you the truth. You're going to weep and you're going to mourn over what's going to happen to me. But the world's going to rejoice. You're going to grieve. And it's going to be hard. But your grief is going to suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor, but when her child is born, her anguish gives away to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you're going to have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and then you're going to rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. Another translation says, no one is going to be able to take away from you this joy. And you haven't done this before, but Jesus says, I want you to ask using my name. Pray in my name. Pray and ask of me in the name of Jesus, and you're going to receive, and you are going to have abundant joy. You know, the line that stands out to me the most from this whole conversation is, And no one is going to be able to take away your joy. I want you to think about that. Jesus looks at his disciples as they're trying to sort through so much heaviness, so so much hardship. Jesus says, no one is going to be able to rob you of this joy. What in the world does Jesus mean here? What in the world is Jesus talking about? Because in my own seasons of confusion and discouragement, in my own times even of apathy or grief and more, and think about all of the things that you've experienced maybe in your life this week or over the last month. Think about some of the lowest times in your life, how you were heartbroken, how you were devastated. Think about everything that's been going on in the world and all of our anxieties and all of the things, our impatience and and how all of it's manifesting tangibly in each and every one of our lives. Think about it. And I, I, I think about some moments in my life when I've gone through these things and I'm and I'm recalling the words of Jesus. What I'm gonna do for you, you're gonna have joy. And no one's going to be able to take it away from you. No one is going to be able to rob you of that joy. It's in those moments and those seasons, even for you right now, I want you to join me in clinging to this kind of joy. But the thing that really kind of, quite frankly, bothers me just a little bit, the thing that kind of really provokes a lot of deep introspection is why isn't this reality? Why isn't this more true of my experience? When I've gone through those times of apathy and grief and confusion and devastation and 
and and cooling and the fervor of my faith and all of those things. Why isn't this more true of my experience? I feel like I've been robbed of joy. I feel like my joy has been taken. In fact, this whole series is about helping to helping to get our joy back. We got to fight for joy and, and reclaiming this joy that's our strength. Why isn't this more true maybe of even your experience? Here's the biggest idea that I want to leave you with and the thing that I, I hope will cause you to really ponder and to look deep within you as we even leave our time together is this. Are we trying to stay filled with our idea of joy and happiness? Because often what we view as joy is happiness. For us, happiness is the supreme virtue in life. And so we think when we're happy, that means that we have joy. So are we trying to stay filled with our idea of joy or happiness when what we were promised that would never be lost is Jesus's joy? Hear me today, Jesus's joy and what we view as joy or what we view as happiness are completely different. Look at what he says again. Look at what Jesus says again. We started off our time together. What he says in John 15 and what he says in John 17. In John 15, he repeats it. My joy. My joy. That you'd be filled with my joy. Even that my joy becomes your joy. So, in other words, to stay filled with complete and overflowing joy, like Jesus talked about in John, what we need is to get Jesus' joy. In fact, that's what I want to call this message that I'm sharing with you today, is get Jesus' joy. That is the goal. That is our objective today. We don't want to try to keep filling ourselves up with our idea of joy and happiness. We want to get Jesus's joy. Because when we get Jesus's joy, it's not something that anyone or anything is going to be able to rob us of it. And it's going to be something that's going to stay complete and it's going to stay overflowing. But we've got to have Jesus's joy. Now, We've already recognized that the Easter season is coming and it reminds us that Jesus is a man of sorrows. We're going to be celebrating his journey of suffering, his journey of sorrow, the fact that he was beaten, the fact that he was wounded, the fact that he was mocked, the fact that he was torn open with a whip, the fact that he was nailed to a cross, the fact that he was paraded naked and mocked by a city. We're going to be revisiting all of those things, that he did that for each and every one of us, that he did that for our forgiveness of sins so that we could be in right standing with God, so that we could flourish and live fulfilled, so that our lives could matter, so that our lives could be fruitful, so that our lives could be abundant. Like, we're going to be celebrating that. He is a man of sorrows. In fact, Hillsong, they wrote a song about Jesus and this regards that he is a man of sorrows. And 
when you and I think of Jesus, typically we most often view him as a man of sorrows, or we view him as a man of principles, or we view him as a man of miracles, but we often miss that he was a man of joy. When you think of Jesus from this day forward, you need to view him with joy, as a man of joy, as oozing joy. In fact, you see his life is constantly marked by joy. In fact, he was criticized by those on the outside looking in. What is it with this Jesus? You say that he's a God, but he's all the time eating and drinking and partying and celebrating with people. This doesn't make sense. It's because Jesus was a man of joy. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this concerning Jesus. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this concerning Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 9, it says, You love justice and you hate evil. And we get that. That's something we already know about Jesus. But then it says, Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you and has poured out the oil of joy. Look at that. He has poured out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. The oil of joy was poured more out on Jesus than on anyone else. Jesus was full of joy. He was a man of joy. So how do we get Jesus's joy? If we're wanting a joy that's going to always be with us as we are traveling this journey with Jesus, if we're going to have a joy that's always complete, filled up, overflowing, we've got to get Jesus's joy. And here's how we do that. The first thing that we've got to do is we've got to get our focus right. We've got to get our focus right, meaning that we have got to get an eternal focus We've got to focus on the reward that's coming, not to get wrapped up in our present reality, not to get wrapped up in what is currently unfolding in our marriage, in our finances, in the world around us, what's happening on social media. No, we've got to get our focus right and get our eyes on the things of the Spirit, to get our eyes on heavenly things. Now, I know this is going to be a huge challenge because everything in this life is conspiring against us seeing with the eyes of faith. But if you're going to have Jesus' joy, you've got to. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. It says, look away from all that is going to distract us and focus your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. Notice, and it's talking about Jesus, Jesus, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal that was set before him. So joy, when it came to Jesus, was not connected to present circumstances. It was not connected to concurrent realities. Jesus had to look past what was happening in the moment and had to be focused on eternal things, had to be focused on the reward that was going to be coming at the end, the, 
the thing that he was working towards, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, something that was not joyful, something that was not pleasant. Jesus had joy, but he had joy for what was going to happen. So he endured the cross, he disregarded the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. If we're going to have joy, we got to realize it is not necessarily connected to our present circumstances. So sometimes if we're going to have joy, if we're going to have Jesus's joy, we've got to look at what's coming, what we're headed for, what we're trying to accomplish, what's going to be at the end. I might be suffering now, but at the end, I'm going to have more of Jesus. I'm going to have an eternal home in heaven. I'm going to see my family saved. I'm going to be more like Jesus. We're going to focus on the end results. We're going to get an eternal focus. Another thing that I am talking about when I say that we need to get our focus right is if we're going to get Jesus's joy, we've got to align our focus with what gives Jesus joy. Again, the goal is not for us to get the kind of joy or happiness that we're wanting. We're going to focus on Jesus's joy. So we've got to get our focus and our wants and our pursuits, we got to align that with what gives Jesus joy. And what was it that gave Jesus joy? Well, when we look throughout the New Testament, we see that Jesus received joy just operating in and living in the knowledge and the assurance that he had divine favor on his life. Again, it was keeping in mind heavenly things. We would have more of Jesus's joy if we aligned our life with what gives Jesus joy and that being divine favor. Are you, as you go throughout the week, as you go into your high school or you go into a meeting at work, are you conscious of the fact that you are walking in divine favor? Another thing that gave Jesus joy was revelation that came from God's word. It was also what was activated through God's word, through what God said. Revelation of him and revelation that came from his word as well as what is activated when he speaks. Notice we read together in the very beginning, John 15, John 17. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you might have joy, so that your joy would be made full, complete, and overflowing. Jesus in John 17 said, I told you many things so that they would be filled with my joy. There is connective tissue between what God is telling us, what he is speaking, what he is revealing to us, and the joy that should be accompanying that. Are you getting into the word of God and and uncovering revelation? And are you getting joy out of what he is speaking to you? Even in, in a time like this, are, are you finding joy coming through God's word being imparted into your life? Well, you're not going to get that joy of revelation and what God's speaking to you if you're not in the Bible, if you're not reading his word, if you're not 
hearing his word preached, if you're not in a small group with others who are speaking and declaring that word. And then the last thing that gave Jesus joy, and if we would align our focus on with what gives Jesus joy, then we would start experiencing more joy when lost sheep find their way back to the Father, when they find their way back to the shepherd, the good shepherd. Jesus rejoiced whenever the lost sheep were found. He, he got joy over that. Now, listen, I have been throughout the many years that I have pastored, I have seen many criticize me and the church that I've led and other churches saying, you are too focused on those out there and not enough on those in here. You are too committed to the Great Commission and you're not committed enough to care or whatever other thing that they, they have suggested before. But the, the thing that gave Jesus joy was finding the lost sheep. It was going after the lost sheep, bringing in the lost sheep. And that's why he commanded us to be all about that very thing. Jesus, Jesus did not command us to be keepers of the aquarium. Jesus didn't say you're going to get joy when you when you take care of the fish that are already swimming around. No, he said you're going to be fishers of men. You've got to be laser focused, diligently, uncompromisingly sold out to continuing to reach for those out there. And listen, I believe that kingdom commission and kingdom care are not mutually exclusive. I believe that you can be a church full of joy about reaching for the one more that's not yet a part of God's family and also be able to take care of God's people. But look, what gave Jesus joy was reaching for the one more. And I got to quickly go through these last points. In fact, I'm not even going to be able to read all of the scriptures because it's there in the digital worship guide in the Waterview app, and you can read it in your devotion time. But I want you to notice this is how you can get Jesus's joy. You've got to get your focus right. You also need to know that you are loved by God. We see that in John 15. Jesus makes that very clear the third, the third thing, if we're going to get Jesus's joy, is we've got to honor the Sabbath. And what does that mean? It means that we have to build a day, a place, a time, a moment, a season of rest into our life. You were not wired. You were not created to work seven days a week, to be constantly in motion, to be constantly depleting yourself, to be constantly pouring out. There's got to be a Sabbath. There's got to be a day, a moment, a season, a time where you take time for rest, where you pause and where you lean in to Jesus and you listen for his voice. That's why time together as a church family, coming and being a part of God's house, being in church is so important. That's why taking a break every week and spending time with your family and just unplugging and recharging 
is so very important. We've got to honor rest. We've got to make rest a priority. And that doesn't mean that you that you just pour yourself out in every other area of your life and then the thing that you think you need to discharge yourself from and to recharge from and eliminate from your life are spiritual things. No, that's not what keeping a Sabbath, that's not what rest is all about because I've met people, that's what they want to do when they look at the calendar and the schedule of their life. They want to keep all the kids' special events. They want to keep overtime at work. They want to keep all this, that, hobbies, interests, go, 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 go. And then the one thing that they want to cut out is church. They want to cut out God. And that's not what we need because the Bible says that in his presence is fullness of joy. That time with God's people, that time with the Holy Spirit, that that would be our refreshing, that that would revive us. So we're not going to cut out those things. We are, though, going to focus on rest. And then another way that we're going to be able to get Jesus' joy is through abiding in him. We've got to abide. Unless you have joy in Jesus, your joy is not full. So what is the secret to finding this joy? Jesus in John 15, we read it together at the beginning. He said, he spoke these things that your joy may be full. And by these things, Jesus is referring to his words in John chapter 15, the early part of the chapter when he said, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Remain in me and I am going to remain in you. And I would challenge you to keep reading further. It's there in its completion there in the worship guide. But we've got to abide in him. Our relationship with Jesus is like that of a branch to a vine. A branch is absolutely dependent on a vine. And so my question to you is, are you depending upon Jesus totally and absolutely? If we're going to get Jesus's joy and produce the fruit of joy, which is a fruit of the Spirit, We've got to abide. We've got to be deeply planted and invested and connected to the source, which is Jesus. We can't do it on our own. And you belong to God just as that branch belongs to the vine. And when you start seeing your life in that relationship, you're going to find in your heart a miraculous joy. Because the joy of Christ, which is the life of Christ, is going to be flowing out of Christ and it's going to be going into you. And then the last thing that I want to leave with you as we talk about getting Jesus' joy is that you have got to celebrate. And I want to end on this note because I want us to celebrate together today, regardless of what you're facing and how low you feel and discouraged you may seem I want us to celebrate. Habakkuk 3.18 says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You know, celebration is an essential aspect to one's spiritual life. That's why we take time to throw parties at Waterview Church. That's why we make such a big deal out of worship. And we have vibrant, alive, uplifting worship, because celebration is so, so key. In fact, Richard Foster, in his classic book, Celebration of Discipline, 
he said this, celebration is central to all the spiritual disciplines. And what's he talking about there? He's talking about prayer and and reading God's word and coming to church and all of the things that are spiritual disciplines, things that we know are so vital to our health, things that we should be doing. Celebration is central to all of that because without a joyful spirit of festivity, those disciplines, and maybe that's been your experience with church from the past, they made prayer and serving and all of these things that are meant to be joyous and wonderful, they made them so hard. They made them so task heavy. They become dull, death-breathing tools in the hands of modern Pharisees. That's not what we want at Waterview, and that's not who we are. We see celebration not only here in this passage in Habakkuk, we see it throughout the Bible, whether we're talking about shepherds or wise men, angels, Israel celebrating. We see it a part of the New Testament church. It's party, 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 festival, festival, festival. It's worship, worship, worship. And it is clear from scripture that celebration is a spiritual discipline that God is wanting us to start practicing. Come on, wherever you are, just try. Just clap your hands real well. Just just laugh. Make yourself laugh. Do something where you can celebrate. Dance with somebody beside you. Come on, let's celebrate God's goodness today. It was never God's will for his people, for Christians to live dry, boring lives. And that is why we see celebration, both commanded and practiced throughout the Bible. So look, church for us is fun. It's going to always be fun. Church for us is going to involve worship and we're going to get loud and we're going to be alive and we're going to be vibrant. We do it at football games. We do it at other sporting events. We do it at the Daytona 500. We do it at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. We do it when we're watching our favorite college football team. Come on, go Buckeyes. We celebrate because it gives us joy. And scripture tells us, the Bible tells us that Jesus came. And we mentioned it earlier so that we might have life, so that we would have abundant life. And hear me today, don't forget it. We're going to close now. That abundant life includes celebration. You cannot have Jesus's joy without celebration, and you cannot have celebration without Jesus's joy. So come on today, let's let's love Jesus. Let's allow his joy to come into our life, and you're going to see God do some profound, profound things. Your joy is going to be so full, and we're going to pray for that now. Your joy is going to be so full that no one can rob you of it. Jesus, I thank you for my friends, and I pray that we would align our hearts and our lives with you because that's what it's going to take. we got to surrender who we are to you, to your way, to your plan, because we want your joy. We want your joy to be complete and full in us. So, Lord, we make a fresh start today. We come near to you, believing that we're never going to be the same again. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.